ION 2020 episode 203. Have 2020 Vision with ION 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of ION 2020, the place that you come to Monday through Friday for the news-related events, the things that are going on in the 2020 election. This is your Monday show, and I appreciate you joining me today. This is a debate week, and it's really exciting. Uh, whenever I start doing these debate shows and stuff like that, I'm going to be doing a pre-debate show tomorrow, then a post-debate show uh, for Wednesday. I'll actually do that show right after the debate's over with as well. I'll record it at like 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, and then I'll release it at 5 a.m. the next day. I always try to get those shows out to you. As soon as possible, just because uh, it's it's always nice to get you know the libertarian perspective on the 2020 election uh, and the, especially these debates and stuff. The thing is, is what I usually try to do is I watch the debate and then without looking at any analysis and stuff, I don't f- turn on MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, or any of these other commentating stations and stuff. I just kind of give you what I felt about the debate. I take some pretty detailed notes throughout the debate as well, just to make sure that I'm able to cover pretty sufficiently for you guys and then then I'll do a post post debate show within the next couple of days as well just letting you know what happened during the debate and like what were the highlights of the debate if you know what I mean like what were the uh the pundits talking about because I'm not a pundit I'm not one of those people that is looking at Twitter and looking at the feeds and stuff like that to make sure to see what comments that were said that got the most tweets about it and things and that's not me that's what the that's what the CNN and MSNBC and stuff like that they have the experts there they have a whole team of people to figure all that stuff out so then within the next couple of days after the debates I'll do that as well and then from there uh, I like to always do some shows on the polls after those debates as well you know four five six days after the debate you'll start seeing polls come out that were taken immediately after the debate to see who is winning in the polls at that point, who had the best showing, where the polls are standing, uh, if anyone had a positive effect from those polls as well. So that'll be kind of the lineup for the rest of the week. Uh, This show today I wanted to do is on a hit piece that I found in the New York Times on Tulsi Gabbard. And I'm a little frustrated by this thing. I mean, if you start reading it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes page. And in New York Times, you actually... You don't get really free articles with them. You have to sign in and stuff, so it might be hard to read it. Um, But it is a total hit piece on her, calling her an anti-Semite, calling her a white nationalist, a supporter of white nationalists, and all this stuff. And I'm just looking at this, reading this uh, New York Times article, and it's literally, I, I swear to you, I swear it's just because she's trying to boycott the democratic debate and she's a little bit outside the box on her thinking on foreign policy and it reminds me of the ron paul days when they started doing hit pieces on him calling him a racist and all that because of his foreign policy views like he's outside the norm on the foreign policy issue and they're gonna try to destroy her for that 
and they're going to call her white nationalist and all that. I mean, the, to, the the woman's from India. She's a, she's a Hindu Indian from Hawaii. Clearly, she's not somebody that a white nationalist would support. But anyway, I'll, I'll go through the article with you guys and let you know what I thought about it. But it just blew my mind reading this article about what they're saying about her and why they would say it. But this is what I think is the reason that why they would say it is specifically because if somebody like myself, a libertarian, says, hey, I support Tulsi Gabbard. It's not because I support her on her social issues. It's not because I support her on anything except for the fact that she wanted to make anti-war and anti-foreign intervention a policy of her campaign. She wanted to make that front and center. So it got people that are anti-war, people that are anti-foreign intervention, people that want a responsible foreign policy by our federal government, it got us excited. We were like, wow, that's great. And I know it in libertarian circles. We think Tulsi Gabbard is good on foreign policy. And some people say she doesn't go far enough. I, I would say it that she probably doesn't go far enough because she is okay with some foreign intervention. But they're calling her you know, they're, they're saying this hit piece right here, all kinds of just negative stuff that's like that she has support of anti-Semites, that she has support of white nationalists, that she has support of Russian bots, that the Russians are on her side, that the Russians are trying to help rig the election. Now there's no, I don't even know why the New York Times would post something like this, but you guys know this. The New York Times is just the propaganda wing of the Democratic Party in some ways, um, the liberal media and some, I mean, that they're the, they're unquote unquote, the liberal media. And she is not going along with what she's supposed to be doing. She's talking about rigging or not rigging. She's talking about boycotting the debates. She's talking about putting, opening up the veil right now and letting people know just how crappy the system is that they live under when it comes to the whole way that they're figuring out who's going to be the next candidate that's going to run against Donald Trump. She's threatening that. She's going to go on the news media and talk about that. She's talking about boycotting the debates. I don't know if she can come back from that. I don't know that they could keep her off the stage, though, but they could definitely not ask her any questions or whatever. Um, I don't know. But if you go off the reservation and... Don't take that the wrong way. If you go off the reservation, if you don't do exactly what the two political parties tell you to do, then you're going to have hit pieces in whatever New York Times or whatever um, conservative like magazines and stuff there are out there, newspapers there are out there. I guess that would be like the Washington Post or something. You're going to have hit pieces in your in those news media about you. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, so let me get into the article then. That's what I'll do. I'll just get into the article and let you guys make some decisions on, on what you think. Because I think it's just, um, I think it's just terrible that they would, that they would put a hit piece out on her like that. Uh, this is Lisa Lear on October 12th, 2019 that wrote this in the New York Times. And I hope it didn't get published like in their paper, but nobody reads the New York Times anyway. But it has made a little bit of a splash in some ways. I've even heard it. Like, I've seen it on Facebook and on Twitter and stuff, and uh, 
anyway, but there, and when I'm reading this thing, there's not a lot of like supporting evidence that she's given. This is just people that are saying quotes, like talking heads that are giving quotes to this person, uh, the person that wrote the article about Tulsi Gabbard. And it's just, it's interesting. So it starts off like this. Stephen K. Bannon, President Trump's former chief strategist, is impressed with her political talents. Richard B. Spencer, the white nationalist leader, says he could vote for her. Former President Ron Paul, or former Representative Ron Paul praises her libertarian instincts, while Franklin Graham, the influential evangelist, finds her refreshing. So they're limping, they're lumping Steve Bannon, Trump's former chief strategist, right? Richard B. Spencer, the white nationalist. Like, Richard Spencer is nothing, you know? Like, he is a supposed former libertarian who went all white nationalist on us, you know? Um, just way outside the norm. Like, he's not a libertarian at all in his ways. Like, he wants the government to control the masses on the race issue and things like that. Like, he has crazy views. And he says that he can vote for her. If he's a white nationalist, he can't vote for somebody that is a freaking is a is an indian from india like that's not white <laughs> like if that's if that's a, if that's what you're going to say she's i mean absolutely crazy that they would say that but um and and there's no link to see where he says this at either so that's what i'm looking at and then you got them lumping ron paul of all people in in with Richard Spencer, so praises her libertarian instincts. Well, she does have libertarian instincts on foreign policy. Like, we think it's good that she wants a policy of non-intervention, that she wants to end the foreign wars, that she wants to bring soldiers home and save their lives and worry about our country rather than every other country out there. Ron, Ron Paul praises her libertarian instincts. I have heard that. So that's encouraging her towards libertar- having libertarian instincts. Yeah, I praise her for that. She doesn't go far enough, but you know what? I praise her on a few things like that. Ending the war on drugs. Decriminalization of drugs. Like, that's great. Calling politicians out, like Kamala Harris, on stage for going after people for drug use, for marijuana use. Locking them up for marijuana use. Ruining families for smoking a little bit of weed. Yeah, you should praise her for her libertarian instincts. And they're saying this as a negative thing against her. And then Franklin Graham, isn't that Billy Graham's son? Like, and then he, it says, finds her refreshing. I don't know that, and there, there's no link to this either. So there is a link though. There's one link and that is to... Ron Paul praising her on her libertarian instincts. So if everybody else said it, said something, she doesn't give any links. But why would she give one to Ron Paul's li- a link to Ron Paul's statement? I don't know. And then it says, and far right conspiracy theorists like Mike Kernovich see a certain MAGA sus quo. I don't even know what that means. Sorry, um, but whatever that. <laughs> I don't know it. I don't even know who this Mike. Kernovich is so if you guys know who he is let me know ray at and the empire.com i'd love to look this guy up but um that's fine i mean if people talk about her like people talk about 
Elizabeth Warren. I, you know what? I like Bernie Sanders' foreign policy in some ways, but he doesn't make it a centerpiece of his campaign. Like, he makes it the last thing he talks about on his campaign website. So if somebody like me, a libertarian, praises her for any of her views, it's not me praising her because she loves Medicare for all. It's because she has a foreign policy that I like. She wants to end the war on drugs. That's phenomenal. Those are good things. But this article gets into just trying to lump her in with every bad person in the world because people have made statements about her. I don't know. I mean, if you're in an interview and they're like, they're asking, so the Democratic campaign season's on right now. You know, are there anyone that, is there anyone that you like on that campaign stage that's out there? And they're like, well, you know, I'm a libertarian and all, and, you know, I'm probably going to vote for a libertarian anyway, but, um, I have noticed that Tulsi Gabbard is kind of getting people excited because she's making foreign policy the centerpiece of her campaign. Anti-foreign intervention, the centerpiece of her campaign. And I like that. I like what I, I like what I hear. If somebody says that, all of a sudden you're going to lump them into this article as well because they're a white nationalist or something like that? I don't know. I just don't see I just don't see it. And I'm totally defending her on this because I think that this is just a hit piece. I think that this is just the Democratic National Committee or somebody within that that has ties to it that is pushing this article through. They're trying to make sure that they're trying to take away her voice before she gets on stage. They're trying to discredit her right now so that when they get onto the debate stage, that's what they ask her about. This is a hit piece and that's all it is. So then... um. Among her fellow Democrats, Representative Tulsi Gabbard has struggled to make headway as a presidential candidate, candidate barely cracking 2%. That's true. She has struggled. Like anybody. I mean, there's 22 people up there. There's 22, 25 or something like that. People that were running. So every one of them is. But she's on that debate stage on the 12th. They don't talk about all the other people that didn't make the debate stage. The other 20 or the other you know 12 or 13 people that didn't make the debate stage that are still trying to run for president. They're bringing it up against her. She's now injecting a bit of chaos into her own party's primary race, threatening to boycott the debate to protest what she sees as a rigging of the 2020 election. That's left some Democrats wondering what exactly she is up to in the race, while others worry about supportive signs from online bot activity in the Russian news media. So they automatically throw this Russian thing in there because everyone's all up in arms about this Russian, so it kind of instills fear in your mind that she's being supported by the Russian bots. Like, okay, the Russian bot supposedly got Donald Trump elected, okay? That's what they're saying. They The Russian bots had that much power to influence the election that they got Donald Trump elected, but they can't get Tulsi Gabbard of a 2% in the polls? That that's what the Democrats are wondering is what this article says. But they're just putting that there's nothing, there's no link to this at all. They did put a link to the threatening to boycott the debate, but they did not put a link to the Russian news media bots. So it just shows where they're, you know, where they're hypothesizing and where there are actual facts. Yes, she is threatening to boycott the debate. I talked about that in my show a couple weeks or a couple days ago. Perhaps the strangest of all is the unusual array of Americans who cannot seem to get enough of her. 
on podcasts like mine, of course, and online videos and interviews and Twitter feeds, alt-right internet stars, white nationalists. Then they lump us and their libertarian activists and some of the biggest boosters of Mr. Trump heap praise on Miss Gabbard. Like, what, is she going to become Donald Trump's running mate? No, she has socialist views, guys. Like, her views are more in line with Bernie Sanders than with Joe Biden. But you don't see this hit piece on Bernie Sanders because he's popular. And Bernie Sanders is not making foreign policy the centerpiece of his campaign. That is why they're they're doing this hit piece on her. And now she's threatening to, in a roundabout way, un- open up that veil of how the Democratic National Committee is running their running their show right now. In the in the um, email that I got when she was talking about boycotting the debate, she specifically mentioned that the Democratic National Committee rigged it in favor of Hillary Clinton in 2016 over Bernie Sanders. They rigged it in that way. And she's threatening to lift that veil. She's threatening that. And that is something that um, they can't have. They cannot delegitimize their process. The Republicans are the same way. They can't do it. But that's what she's threatening. And uh, so this is just a hit piece on that. Keep that in mind. But my podcast, I guess, being a libertarian podcast, gets gets um, lumped in with the white nationalists and the rising alt-right internet stars, whatever that means. I mean, that's just so... That's But there's, like I say, there's no links to any of this stuff as well. But then it says... Uh, they like the Hawaiian congressman's isolationist isolationist foreign policy views. That's what they said about Ron Paul, that Ron Paul is an isolationist because you want to bring the troops home from wars in Afghanistan that we've been in since 2001 because you want to bring the troops home from Iraq. From You want to end the war in Syria. You want to end the wars in Yemen. You want to start stop supporting the Saudis in Yemen. You want to stop trying to have a policy of overthrowing dictators. You want to have a policy of stop overthrowing governments to place your people in charge there. You want a, you want a foreign policy of non-aggression, of non-intervention. And they obviously are doing the same thing they did Ron Paul. They call her an isolationist because of that. Like, she wants to just isolate America from the rest of the world. That is not what she says, but that's what they're presenting it as. That's the same hit that they did on Ron Paul in 2008 and in 2012. Because she's not going along with a foreign policy, the establishment's foreign policy, which is build more bombs, build more tanks, support the troops, send them over there to get shot at. That's That's what the foreign policy is right now. And be okay with it. And if you don't support the troops, you're unpatriotic. If you don't support the, sorry, not the troops, because we do support the troops. If you don't support the wars, you're unpatriotic. If you're okay, if you're not, or if you're not okay with our guys getting shot at in Afghanistan, you're unpatriotic. If you want to bring them home to their families, you're unpatriotic. 
If you want to bring them home from these wars so they stop having PTSD, you're unpatriotic. You're an isolationist. She's not an isolationist, but this is a hit piece, like I said. And it's very terrible, the way that it's written. There's literally all the stuff that they're accusing her of. There's no, there's no links. There's no links at all. It's really interesting. Listen to this one. Brian Levin, the head of the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism in California State University, San Bernardino, said Miss Gabbard had the seal of approval within white nationalist circles. If people have that isolationist worldview, there is one candidate that would best express them on each side. Gabbard on the Democratic side and Trump on the Republican side. Are you kidding me? That's what he says about her? But there's... Obviously, this is just a quote from this guy. But they're ta- because he is the head of the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism, he gets a voice... Gabbard on the is the is is the favorite of the white nationalists. They have the she has the seal of approval for the white nationalists. Are you kidding me? Did I not say she is from India? She is an Indian American. She's a Hindu even. She's not Christian, and that's what like white nationalists are supposed to be like. These um people that want to have us the separation of races. And send all the Africans back to Africa. Let the white people, I guess, have their little areas. I don't know. I don't know what the white nationalist worldview is, except for that the way that they're they're obviously they're racist and they want to have some sort of separation of the races. I would imagine, or some kind of white supremacy, maybe. I don't know. But she wouldn't fall into that category because she's Indian. She's from India. They would say, "Go home." Go back to where you came from, apparently. But she has their seal of approval, according to this article. It's a hit piece. Then then they say, both Miss Gabbard and her campaign refuse requests for comment about her support in right-wing circles or threat to boycott the debate. Even some political strategists who have worked with her are at a loss to explain her approach to politics. So they're just insinuating that because she's not willing to give a comment on her support about a comment about her support in right wing circles, because she doesn't. She, I don't think she really has support in right right wing circles, except for the fact that maybe they like her foreign policy. I don't know, but right wing circles are usually neocons who want more wars. That's the typical right-wing circle that you would talk about is the neoconservative right-wing circle, I guess. Far alt-right people or whatever. I'm not even sure what that means, to be honest with you. But the alt-right is supposed to be like the racist people on the right or something like that. I don't know. Like I said, it's a hit piece, so that's all there is to it. Uh, She's a very talented person, I'm sure, as they go on. I just don't know what to say about the campaign exactly, said Mark Lumbaugh, a Democratic strategist who worked with Ms. Gabbard when she was campaigning for the Senate for Bernie Sanders in Vermont in 2016. There is potential upside for Ms. Gabbard. Drawing more attention could energize her donors and perhaps attract more supporters, extending her candidacy's lifespan. So they're just saying that her 
her candidacy right now is on life support and that the only reason why she's doing this is to get more people excited about her campaign or something. But she needs, I, I think that it's a good thing that she's going to try to ex- expose the Democratic National Committee for what it is. I think that there should be a Republican that should do the same thing as well. That would be great. I always say the two-party system is the problem. I don't know what this is going to do for her. They actually say in this later on that um, she has a person that was running against her in Hawaii. So we'll at least see if they completely destroy her. Like they like they did, and they tried to do the Ron Paul, though. So listen to this. In reality, Tulsi is really running on an anti-war message that's consistent with where a lot of veterans are, said John Soltz, chairman of the liberal veterans organization VoteVets.org, which works closely with Ms. Gabbard during her first congressional campaign. I know everyone thinks there's a conspiracy theory but here, but that's really what she's doing. Still, Democrats are on high... Then, So that's a positive thing. And then they say, still, Democrats are on high alert about foreign interference in the next election, and the DNC is well aware of the frequent mentions of Miss Gabbard on Russian state news media. So there's no links to that, by the way. But they automatically go back to Russia because we're all afraid of Russia right now. An independent analysis of the Russian news media found that RT, the Kremlin backed news agency mentioned Miss Gabbard frequently for a candidate polling in single digits, according to data collected by the Alliance for Securing Democracy, a group that seeks to track expose efforts by authoritarian regimes to undermine democratic elections. So there's no link, by the way. When there's no link, that means there's not, they're just speculating. But apparently this Alliance for Securing Democracy says that uh, RT mentions her too much and that means that she's obviously a favorite of the bots or something like that. I don't know. Disinformation experts have also pointed to instances of suspicious activities surrounding Ms. Gabbard's campaign. In particular, a Twitter hashtag... Get this, guys. In particular, a Twitter hashtag, hashtag Kamala Harris destroyed, that trended among Ms. Gabbard's supporters after the first Democratic debate and appeared to be amplified by a coordinated network of bot-like accounts. But there is no evidence of coordination between these networks and the campaign itself. So apparently, the hashtag Kamala Harris destroyed is proof that Russian bots are interfering in the election and trying to get Tulsi Gabbard above 2%. They can't even get her above 2%, but they can get Donald Trump elected. Hashtag Kamala Harris destroyed is the evidence. Uh, That is absolutely crazy. And it says that trended among Miss Gabbard. So I remember, if you remember this, Kamala Harris is on stage. Tulsi Gabbard calls her out. And okay, Kamala Harris, by the way, is leading in the polls at this point. She won the first debate. She is on top. She's the chosen one. She is the one that is just closest to the middle that she's able to beat out Joe Biden. She's close enough to the center but still far enough left to get a lot of people to support her. And she seems like she's a hard-ass, so she's going to go... Excuse my language. She seems like she is hard-nosed enough to go after Donald Trump. And she rises in the polls because of that first debate because she went after Joe Biden. And then the next debate, Tulsi Gabbard goes after Kamala Harris, takes a one-two punch. Boom, boom. 
you, my friend, put people in prison for smoking pot and you yet have said that you smoke pot yourself. Isn't that hypocritical? Calls her out on it, wins the debate on that particular issue. Kamala Harris drops in the polls, has a poor showing at the rest of the debates, and now she's like 2 or 3%. And that's what they're saying is the proof that the bots are going after, are, are on Tulsi Gabbard's side. Very interesting, very interesting. You guys got to read the article, man. It is just this huge long hit piece about how she's a, she's supported by white nationalists, that she's supported, oh, she's also supported by dictators, is what it says also. She's also supported by dictators. So, um, yeah, you probably just got to, it's, it's in New York Times, October 12th. Go ahead and check it out. I, I, I am going to put a link into the show notes page on this as well. I don't want to go any further on this thing because I think that um, it's an embarrassment to the New York Times that they would put a hit piece like this in that doesn't even have links to any of the stuff that they're saying. No links whatsoever. So, um, But she's going after the establishment. She's going after the war state. She's going after the, the foreign policy that we have now in the United States. And she's making a centerpiece of the campaign. So between that, going after the Democratic National Committee, and then going after the war state, she's going to be called a lot of names. I honestly think it makes me support her even more because when somebody is being destroyed by the liberal press, when somebody is being destroyed by all the Democrats that are out there that are just the establishment Democrats, I mean, I think that there's obviously something going on because of that and they don't want her message to get out. They want to discredit her now. Just like they did to Ron Paul, guys. Just like they did to Ron Paul. So, hey man, I do appreciate y'all listening to the show every single day, Monday through Friday. I will keep on putting out shows. I think I got a good lineup for you going up this week as well. So check out the show for the rest of the week. Um, you can go ahead if you want to. You can follow me, IonTheEmpire.com, IonTheEmpire on Facebook and on Twitter as well. And then uh, if you want to, you can go ahead and support the, support the show as well. That's anchor.fm slash Ion2020. You could also, there's a support link on IonTheEmpire.com as well. They'll take you to that same link. Uh, but yeah, then come back tomorrow and you'll have clear vision for 2020. Okay, it's official. First Year in Sales with Ray Eaton. The website is up, firstyearinsales.com, as well as the podcast, First Year in Sales. So, if you know somebody or if you happen to be in sales, you might as well go ahead and check this thing out, right? Because it is going to help you become a better salesperson by grounding you with the habits and the skills needed to be successful in sales, especially in your first year. But even if you're not in your first year, might as well check it out because then you'll be able to get back to the basics and getting back to the basics is key in sales. I've always felt that way. So go ahead and check it out. First year in sales is ready and it's a podcast and you can do firstyearinsales.com.